Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Tuesday night as I am recording this. Well, it's nearly Wednesday morning, I guess. Recording this at about midnight. Uh, The Nuggets were just on TNT for the nightcap of the uh, the NBA uh, doubleheader that went down. Uh, New York Knicks beat the Philadelphia 76ers in the first half. Joel Embiid goes, or he's struggling with a knee injury in that one. That's pretty big news. And the Denver Nuggets. They also have a big man who is now struggling with a knee injury. Uh, It was very scary at the outset when Nikola Jokic went down with about a minute and a half, two minutes in the first half. Against the Utah Jazz, the the Nuggets went on to lose this game, but it doesn't really like, frankly, like it doesn't really say anything about the Nuggets in that situation, uh, because being without Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, nobody would predict that Denver is in that game. So I'm not really taking that much from the result tonight. It's mostly about how Denver played, how Denver responded, and I thought. Realistically, they they responded pretty well, but in reality, uh, the Nuggets are still showing a lot of weakness, and it goes beyond just missing Nikola Jokic. It goes beyond just missing Jamal Murray. Those things would absolutely help, but right now, this team is too Nikola Jokic dependent in order to be a good basketball team without him, is what I will say. First half, our first segment, we'll talk about the first half when Nikola Jokic went down, what, what, what transpired, really. Second segment, we'll talk about the second half. Third segment, uh, kind of just give my general thoughts on where Denver stands uh, if Nikola Jokic is out for a little bit. Uh, I don't expect him to be, but this is a good time to have that conversation, I think, because this was unexpected. This was kind of fluky. This was a situation where a lot of players around the NBA miss time with some fluky injuries. It's not because they're injury prone. It's because Rudy Gobert bumps into your knee or somebody falls into your leg or uh, somebody tries to contest your shot and they, they break a finger on your shooting hand. Stuff like that happens to every single player in the NBA. And it's clear tonight that Nikola Jokic is not invincible. He is not uh, immune to those kinds of things. So we have to discuss that. We'll talk about that in the third segment. First segment, let's go with the first half. It was clear from the jump in this game that Nikola Jokic was going to have a big game. Obviously, that that didn't fully end up happening. Uh, He only had 24 points in 15 minutes, of course. Um, pre-game, I set the scoring line for Nikola Jokic at 32 and a half because I thought that he would have a, a really, really big night going up against Hassan Whiteside, going up against Rudy Gobert, guys like that, the Utah Jazz defense that he just consistently shreds at this point in his career. And he did dominate. He was absolutely in his bag to start this game. And the Nuggets were still within striking distance at that point, purely because of Nikola Jokic and Aaron Gordon. 
Jokic was unbelievable, just getting every single shot that he wanted, assisting other players, uh, making sure that they got on the board as well. Uh, He was doing everything for this team. And the fact that he still led the entire game in points scored in the 15 minutes that he played is a true testament to just how dominant he was and the number that he was going to go for had he not gone down. I think this would have been a 50-point night, or at least close to reprising the 47 that he put on Gobert and the Jazz uh, last year, a couple years ago. I don't remember, but he absolutely dominated. He was in his bag, hit three of three on on three-pointers as well. Uh, He was just in very great control. And then he went down. And it's too bad because uh, Denver is clearly extremely dependent on their superstar. And they don't have an answer for when he sits. I think that's pretty clear based off of what we saw. And it was pretty scary just based off of uh, Denver's past history with knee injuries, especially to Jamal Murray. Uh, Everybody was waiting for these results with bated breath. It was only a right knee contusion because he bumped knees, but I'm glad that there was no other structural damage. There was no other uh, potential ligament damage, of course. You do not want to see anything happen to an ACL or even an MCL, but he's going to be okay. And Denver absolutely dodged a bullet that he is because they, they just are not going to fare well if they have to go on without him. Let's talk about Aaron Gordon, though. Uh, He had a really strong game tonight, uh, sort of tapered off in the second half when uh, the the hot shooting sort of came to an end, but he was attacking Boyan Bogdanovich relentlessly in this game. Uh, Just made sure to post him up, to isolate, to take on Boyan Bogdanovich, and to make him into the defensive liability against big wings that Bogdanovich generally is at this stage in his career. Gordon did a great job. He stayed very efficient. He stayed focused. He was the one that really got going, and it was great to see. Things sort of tapered off for him in the second half, but we'll get to that. Uh, it, It really should be appreciated, though, and it should not be lost just how well he did in the first half. I'm pretty sure it was 17 points, if I'm not mistaken. That is a high number. Is really good. Monte Morris and Will Barton did their part too. It really was mostly Jokic and, and Gordon out there, at least to start. But it was still a good performance from Monte and Will. I'll talk about them more in the second segment. But those guys were steady. Those guys were competent. And that's exactly what you need in the face of adversity. And then you get to the bench. The bench was a a real issue, once again. Uh, a quote that I had from Stat of the Week that I released on Monday, uh, or Tuesday, excuse me, following Denver's loss on Monday. Uh, if Denver plans to roll out the same bench tonight, they are admitting defeat before the game even tips off. And I don't like to toot my own horn on this because I'm, I don't really enjoy what's going on here, but that is legitimately exactly what happened. 
Denver rolls out the bench unit that was getting destroyed against inferior teams in the San Antonio Spurs, in the Cleveland Cavaliers. And rather than pivot, rather than try to stagger a little bit more, rather than do anything sort of to, to change up that grouping, uh, Michael Malone rolls with the same four or with the same five. Faku Campazzo, Austin Rivers, P.J. Dozier, Jeff Green, Jamichael Green. And they can't score. And one of the reasons for that is because of what Utah does in their staggering. They do a great job of making sure to put Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley, Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson in a great situation for themselves where they are staggering against the opposing team's bench unit. And for Denver to have to match up with those four specifically, you had Conley with Faku trying to defend him. You had Austin Rivers trying to defend Jordan Clarkson at times, uh, as well as uh, Joe Ingles. P.J. Dozier was in there somewhere, probably defending Joe Ingles most of the time, but I can't remember. And then Rudy Gobert just rolling to the rim, being big, screening, doing his best to free up his teammates. Uh, Denver didn't have any answers on either end of the floor. They were immediately down double digits due to the bench's weaknesses. Uh, Jokic was a positive in this game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, though he might not have. Oh, no, he was a plus seven. Jokic was a plus seven in a 12-point loss. And the bench just continues to absolutely make things difficult for everybody. They're hemorrhaging points, and they couldn't stop the opposing team when their calling card is defense. They're supposed to be able to match up against good offensive units and keep the game close, and they've done anything but to start the year. Their defense has also been made worse by the fact that they have quite legitimately the worst offensive lineup in the NBA, per the numbers. We're going to talk about this in the third segment. That's something that needs more visiting. Uh, it is just a, a really big issue. But given the work that Jokic and Gordon and Barton and Morris and guys like that did in the first in the first half. Denver was only down two heading into the second. They were down 66 to 64, which was a really good sign. They had fought hard, and they're at least putting themselves in a position where they could win. Or at least pressure the jazz a little bit. So let's take a break and then talk about the second unit, and or not the second unit, the second half right after the break. Back 
back here, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate all of the support as always. Um, Jamichael Green started in the place of Nikola Jokic in the third quarter. Uh, it came out during halftime that Michael Malone, or not Michael Malone, uh, that Jokic was questionable to return with a right knee contusion. Jokic was trying to warm up, doing what he could. And then when Michael Malone asked him if he could go, Jokic said it feels a little weak. And Malone made the executive decision, I think at that point, to just hold him out. Second night of a back-to-back, no need to be a hero. It's game four. Malone did the right thing, and he deserves credit for that, that you have your star player, you have a guy that's extremely important to your present, but also to your future. Not getting caught up in trying to win a division game against a rival. I think is a good, healthy sign for what Michael Malone is doing. Jermichael Green started in his place, and I thought that Denver had a, a pretty decent quarter. They actually won the third quarter, 26-25, to 25, and they're only down by one heading into the fourth. One of the reasons for that, Will Barton. Will Barton was absolutely awesome in the third quarter. Made some mistakes here or there, but... For the large majority of it, he was playing both great defense and great offense, uh, creating his own shot, taking advantage of open threes, uh, mixing and matching, playmaking, and scoring as well as he possibly could. Uh, He finished the game with 21 points, three assists, four rebounds, did have four turnovers, But in 37 minutes, he was a plus three out there. That's pretty big. He was one of only three players to be a positive. Jokic, who played 15 minutes and was a plus seven. Barton, who played 37 minutes and was a plus three. And Michael Porter Jr., who played 39. I have it marked as 40, but I think it was 39. 39 minutes and was a plus two. So in the minutes that Michael Porter didn't play, Denver was a minus 14 in nine minutes. Let's talk about Michael Porter. Um, although, let's, let's, let's give Will Barton his credit. I think that that's more important than denigrating Porter right now. Will Barton has been asked to do a lot. Uh, he and Monte Morris have really been splitting point guard duties for this Nuggets team. Uh, Barton has put a lot of pressure on himself to be more of a creator, uh, more of a facilitator for others. He said post-game after the Cavs loss that he wanted to be more of an assist guy, a high assist guy, somebody who could get others involved. He had to change his identity tonight because the scoring wasn't going to be there unless he was able to provide it. And he provided 16 points in the third by himself. That's really impressive. And I think it shows that when Denver does get fully healthy, they would do well to remember that Barton can score and he can do a lot of great things when he has the responsibility to do so. And I think that Denver should use that to their advantage and stagger their starters as much as they possibly can when the time comes. But we'll get to that. That's a that's a long way off. 
Barton is good. He has shown himself to be good. Only took three threes tonight. That's a number that I'd like to see a little bit higher. But when he did go off the dribble, he was very solid. Eight of 13 from two. That is a really good number for Barton. Was very efficient tonight. Let's go to Porter. 13 points on 18 shots. 5 of 18 from the field. 3 of 11 from 3. 2 of 7 from 2. Took 0 free throw attempts. Did grab 9 rebounds. Had 2 assists, 2 steals. Just 1 turnover. He is a very scalable player for most lineups where he's not going to negatively affect the lineup a ton when he's not hitting shots because the mere presence of him being out there and being a threat to shoot the ball on a consistent basis means that he can still be a positive impact player when things aren't going well for him. But the Nuggets need more than that. They need him to be more than just a positive impact player. They need him to have a positive production now. And his production has been crap. I think the process has been crap as well. I do think that Denver is really coming to a crossroads early in the season with him. That he has not been able to figure out the degree to which he needs to take good shots versus bad shots, and what kind of shots those bad shots need to look like. There is a certain amount of the ball going to die when it touches Porter's hands. He doesn't always get opportunities throughout the game. He doesn't always jack up shots immediately. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time. Sometimes he gives up the ball, gets it back, and then shoots. But I do think that he is struggling to figure out what shots are his, where he needs to be. And then he's just kind of going through a shooting slump right now. I think there's no other way to say it. We haven't seen Porter shoot this badly from the outside in a long time. He was shooting 35% from three going into the game probably down to about 32 after this. For a player like him, who is as talented as he is, who is as capable as he is from the outside, it can click in an instant, but when it doesn't, it is very noticeable just how out of rhythm he looks. He's trying his best. He's feeling the pressure, and I totally understand that. But the process by which he comes to shots is not good. I'm not sure what his role is other than I will occasionally touch the ball and shoot it. I think that he's going to bounce back. I think that this is something where they need to figure they need to figure out different configurations they need to figure out different sets for him they need to figure out how to get him the ball in the post in the uh corners in the like one of the things that you really notice with him 
is he barely shoots any corner threes right now. He is always above the break. He is always either in the trail position or he is hanging out from wing to wing. They need to get him down low. They need to get him into a situation where he's taking advantage of mismatches, smaller players, guys who aren't as good as him. Because right now, things are heavily skewed to the perimeter. And right now, he's a perimeter jump shooter that is not making perimeter jump shots, which means there's only so much of his value that he can actually have. During the 2018-19 season, Clay Thompson went through a pretty big shooting slump at the beginning of the career, of uh, not of the year, excuse me. He was shooting like 20% from three for several games. People were talking about it. People were wondering what's going on. Clay, second best shooter of all time to Steph on his own team. Why is he struggling so much? And then he played the Chicago Bulls, a very hapless defense. And he figured it out. And he got a bunch of threes to go. I think he hit 12 threes in one game. Now, Porter may not be able to hit 12. But would it really surprise anybody if what he really needed was just an opportunity to go up against a 28th-ranked defense, a 29th-ranked defense, a 30th-ranked defense that didn't have the personnel to match up with him on a consistent basis? I think that that's almost likely. I thought it would happen against the Cavs. They surprised me. They were more functional. Denver needs to have a game against a bad team where Porter gets to get some shots up, gets to work through these issues, and hopefully he and the Nuggets offense can find some cohesion because right now they're two separate entities again. Porter isn't a part of the Nuggets' offense. He is a standalone piece, and that needs to change. All right, rant over. Um, Gordon slowed down in this one. He started taking outside shots, and I think that's where his efficiency sort of hit the fan. Uh, Also started turning the ball over a little bit, racked up a bunch of fouls in the third quarter, and I think that really just took him out of rhythm. Uh, Monte Morris, though, he was steady throughout, and I do think that he deserves some credit here. 19 points, 8 of 13 from the field, 3 of 3 from three-point range, including four assists and one turnover. If there was any problem on the offensive end, it was not Monte Morris. Now what I will say, Monte was really struggling defensively, especially in the first half. He could not stay connected to Mike Conley, to Donovan Mitchell, to Joe Ingles. He got posted up by Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, Just not a good defensive game for Monte Morris by any stretch of the word. But to be clear, he was not the only one. Let's go to the bench here. Uh, Denver had to reconfigure their bench rotation when Jokic went down. Uh, Jeff Green, no, Jamichael Green, excuse me. He started in place of Jokic. And then Jeff Green was his replacement. And rather than go with a new guy off the bench, whether it was Bones Highland, whether it was Zeke Naji, Bull Bull, whatever, Denver just staggered 
Porter and Gordon at the forward spots, and then Morris and Barton at the guard spots. And then Compazzo and Dozier were kind of the thread lines, as well as Jeff Green. Uh, Jamichael Green came back in for a brief stretch in the fourth quarter, but went out again after he got ejected. Oh, yeah, that actually happened. Um, Kind of a tussle that ended in ejections for Jamichael Green and Hassan Whiteside, who was talking, I presume, because Nikola Jokic wasn't out there, because Nikola Jokic wasn't giving him absolute buckets. That's probably the reason. But yeah, Malone played Faku, PJ, and Jeff Green off the bench. He cut Austin Rivers out of that, which wasn't surprising. Austin Rivers just can't find it. Uh, Five minutes per my rotation, but six minutes on the ESPN box score. Minus 10. That ain't great. But also, Faku and PJ were bad too. It wasn't like it was just Austin Rivers. Faku was bad on both ends. The Jazz just didn't know he was there defensively. Faku never made his presence felt on that end. And then obviously he's not going to provide any offense for you uh, from a, a shooting perspective. Took one shot, did get to the line four times, but it was against Jared Butler, a rookie, uh, in two minutes. So he took advantage of a rookie out there. Not anybody in the Jazz rotation, just a rookie. So Faku's got to figure himself out too. PJ Dozier, got to figure himself out. Two points, four shots, minus 18, three fouls. No steals or blocks, no assists. Really bad game from PJ. Uh, Actually, I mean, I won't say that. He wasn't as bad as Faku. Wasn't as noticeable as Faku from a poor defense perspective. But it just wasn't impactful. Like, he didn't do anything positive. That's that's for sure. And then Denver lost. Denver lost this game. Uh, they were down by one heading into the fourth quarter. They lost the fourth quarter by 11, 31 to 20. They weren't able to score for a, a large amount of time in the fourth. Um, Porter was out there for pretty much the entire time. Uh, him not being able to take advantage of that opportunity going five of 18 when a lot of the shots were open. If he didn't rush them were not contested. If he just was patient, that's a bad sign. So they're going to need more from everybody, but especially from him. And they lose on a back-to-back 122, 110 for all intents and purposes. It could have been a lot worse. Could have absolutely been a lot worse than what it was. But it certainly wasn't a good thing. Let's take a final break. When we come back, we are going to discuss uh, where this team goes from here. We'll be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, if you've stuck around, if you've listened to this podcast, then you are a true Nuggets fan. I know it is not fun to listen after back-to-back losses. Uh, the Cavs one was especially worse uh, than this one, I will say. 
but Nuggets fans are going to have some PTSD from Nikola Jokic going down with a knee injury after last season was torpedoed by a knee injury. So I do understand if you clicked off, but if you're still here, you're a real one. Thank you so much. Okay, I'm going to read off some quotes here uh, from Michael Malone about the bench unit. He says, and I quote, I got to figure our bench unit out. Our bench out, excuse me. Our bench is not where it needs to be. That group is having a hard time scoring, dot, dot, dot. They're having a hard time getting time, or they're having a hard time getting stops, dot, dot, dot. That group is not struggling because of Austin Rivers, dot, dot, dot. It's not any one person's fault. It's collectively. And he went on to say, this has been fairly consistent. These struggles is what he's implying. He mentioned Austin Rivers specifically because Rivers was the only player that was cut from the rotation in the second half of this game. Uh, Denver went with an eight-man rotation in the second half because Jermichael Green slid into the starting lineup. Jeff Green played the minutes at center that he wasn't out there. And then Porter and Gordon basically played Porter basically played the entire second half. Gordon played a whole bunch of minutes at the four. Barton and Morris played a whole bunch of minutes at the one of the two. Denver not going to Bones Highland in a game after they lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers because they scored 87 points is pretty crazy. I'm not surprised because I know how these things work, and I understand that there are some things that are going on behind the scenes that Nuggets fans aren't privy to, that they don't understand, that it's not just about what's going on on the court. It's about locker room dynamics. It's about giving veterans a chance. And Austin Rivers has had a chance. He has absolutely had an opportunity. He missed another three tonight, still shooting 0% from there. And got his shot swatted by Rudy Gobert at the rim. He is not making a positive impact in any way, shape, or form. And it is time for Denver to find some form of scoring with the second unit. Now, I don't particularly care who that is. I've lobbied for Bones Highland. I understand the need and the desire to do a 10-man rotation to try to limit the minutes of the starting unit. But the fact is, is that if the starting unit can't find a rhythm, or no, if the starting unit finds a rhythm and the bench unit gives it all up, the Nuggets have been in a situation where they have actually played their starters more minutes because the bench has sucked. So figuring out a unit where the bench can flourish, even if it includes a starter at points, is of the utmost importance. It is the most important thing that Denver can figure out early in the season. Because they're still not going to be without, they're still not going to be having Jamal Murray until February at the earliest. This is going to be a problem. Like, we're in October. The season is going to go for November, December, January, February, March, and April. 
is another five and a half months, basically. We have a long way to go, and Denver is going through these ups and downs already, mostly downs with that bench unit. They have to figure something out because the earlier they do, the earlier they can go on a run, the earlier they can bank some wins. This is the toughest stretch of their season right now. And if they find a solution to a point where they could still go 12 and 8 in the first 20 games, 13 and 7, 14 and 6, it is going to lead to such po- positive returns, excuse me, for the rest of the year. Going to give them some flexibility, going to give them some opportunity to take a step back, rest Jokic here or there. But it comes with finding the right group. And I want to talk about why that is so important for when Jokic has an absence. Denver doesn't have a backup center. They can't just insert somebody to replace Nikola Jokic. They could a couple years ago with Mason Plumley. I think that's an underrated part of why Mason Plumley was so good for Denver specifically, because he wasn't going to help in the playoffs. He wasn't going to be a guy that when Jokic plays 38 to 40 minutes, that it really made a difference for him being out there. Denver is going to be better in the playoffs because of having Jeff Green and Jermichael Green as good, solid veteran options who can play fundamental defense while other stars are out there with them on the second unit when Jokic sits. That's going to be like lineups like Monte Morris, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, Jeff Green, Jamichael Green. That's what you're looking at. Monte Morris, Will Barton, PJ Dozier, Jeff Green, Jamichael Green. You're not looking at Faku Campazzo, Austin Rivers, PJ Dozier, Jeff Green, Jamichael Green in the playoffs because it would get shellacked, of course. But it also gets shellacked in the regular season because they do not have a good foundational plan in place with that group. That group is purely just trying to hold together things until the starters come back in. And right now, they are tape that is just ripping at the seams. And nothing is going to stop that from continuing to happen. There is no solution to that particular five-man unit because they do not have the fundamental pieces to make it functional. If they had a center that rolled to the rim, it might be possible. If they had a scorer off the bench, it might be possible. But Rivers isn't a scorer. Faku isn't a scorer. PJ, not there yet. Probably not going to get there. So they need to make a change. If they don't make a change, they're going to continue to lose games. And if they don't have Nikola Jokic to lift them up on a consistent basis, they are going to lose even more. Bones Highland has got to play. Like, like that's, that's at least a good start. That if you want to keep it a 10-man rotation, fine. But at least play somebody off the bench that can score. That is the most important factor here. 
but it's time for Michael Porter to get out of his slump. That's probably the most important thing outside of the bench unit just figuring shit out. Jamal Murray's not here to save the day right now. If the Nuggets miss Nikola Jokic, then he's not obviously going to be out there. And Denver's entire fundamental identity is completely torn apart. Now, Porter kind of works outside of that fundamental identity, as we've talked about. He's a a dead-eye shooter. When he has space, he's going to fire, as he should. If he has the confidence to take it and makes a bunch of them, then the Nuggets can win, even without Jokic, even without Murray, as long as they have some sort of solution for when Porter doesn't play. But this is why you sign Porter to a max deal. This is why you don't trade him for James Harden, or Damian Lillard, or Bradley Beal, or anybody like that. It's for these moments where you believe he can be one of those top-level scorers. But it's got to happen at some point or another, and he's got to show it. It's a ton of pressure. I totally get it. It's also only game four. This is a four-game sample size of Michael Porter shooting 32%, and everybody's going off the fucking wall. But it's also what Denver needs, and he is not giving them what what they need right now. And he's not really close to doing it either. So it's about time for him to figure it out. It's about time for the Nuggets to figure it out. They've got a couple days. They can get back on track. And nobody, I mean nobody, would be surprised if in the next game against the, I think it's the Dallas Mavericks, but it it might be against somebody else. The next game against the Dallas Mavericks, if Michael Porter hit eight threes and scored 32, would anybody be surprised? Even if Jokic doesn't play, I wouldn't. I don't think anybody else should. And that's the mentality you have to approach it with. That he will eventually be fine. That the Nuggets will eventually figure it out. But they can't. They have to control what they can control. And one thing they can control is getting Bones Highland on the floor. Getting somebody with some scoring chops to play with that bench unit. Whether you're staggering, whether you're playing Bones whether you're doing what the hell ever. It's about time to get those priorities straight. That'll do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Really appreciate all of the love and support, as I always say, because I always mean it. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll probably take off tomorrow and then get back to you guys on uh, Friday. Thank you so much, everybody. Talk to you guys very soon.